Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 59. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. It's going to be a quick episode. Just want to talk about Brody going to the Lakers. The Lakers acquire Russell Westbrook. And also want to talk about Djokovic losing in the semifinal of the Tokyo Olympics to Sevrev in a crazy comeback. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The Lakers have traded for Brody. They have traded for Russell Westbrook, um, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and the number 22 pick in the NBA draft was sent to the Wizards in exchange for a 2024-2028 second-round pick um, and the Brody. Uh, it was a three-way trade. It involved the Pacers and Aaron Holiday, too. But basically, that's what the Lakers gave up to get Russell Westbrook. So what does this mean for the Lakers? Myself, a Laker fan, I am pretty excited about this. Brody, we definitely needed a point guard. The Lakers needed a point guard. They needed someone that could distribute, that could be a facilitator, and they got that with with Russell Westbrook. Was he the number one point guard that we could have gotten? No, obviously, Chris Paul just had an MVP season. There was rumors that the Lakers could get him. There's other rumors for Kyle Lowry, other other point guards that could have done a, a good job. But ultimately, the Lakers pulled the trigger on Russell Westbrook, and I think it's a good move. Uh, I think there's other moves the Lakers could still do to really make this team an elite, elite, elite team. Um, they could get shooters. They could get a, a stretch four, stretch five, um, some more wing defenders. There's Obviously, this is not the end of the offseason, so there's more moves to be made, but this firmly positions the Lakers to be the team that comes out of the West. You know, the West has been strong for years and years and years, but right now I don't think there's a lot of teams that should scare this Lakers team. I mean, there's not too many players signed on the team. We still got to figure out who's going to be the t- on part of the 12-man roster for the Lakers. I believe they only have like six or five players signed right now, so we got to see who the Lakers sign. But as currently constructed, if you were to just do an outlook for the Western Conference, um, the Clippers are going to be without Kawhi for a while. We'll see how he recovers from his ACL. The Nuggets, we'll see how Jamal Murray comes back from his ACL. And we'll see if they're able to take that next step to re- really be a championship contender. If Jokic could you know, have that M- another MVP-like season. And as far as the other teams, the Mavs need a lot of help. Luka is amazing. He's generational talent. He could end up as a top 10 player of all time, top 5 player of all time, but he needs help. Christoph Persingas needs to step it up. So realistically, the Mavs are not going to be a problem for the Lakers. The Clippers, they could be a problem, but we'll see how Kawhi comes back from that injury. That's a terrible injury. I hope he gets well um, and back into the court soon. The Trailblazers, I mean, they're kind of a contender. They're a playoff contender. They're not, they're not really a championship contender. We know what the Trailblazers are. We'll see if now that Chauncey Billups is there, they're able to bring some defense. But they've been in the playoffs for years and years and years, and they just seem to be a first or second round exit. So this Lakers team, I think they should run through the West. Um, You have the Jazz. You have the Suns. I don't believe the Suns are going to make another run like they did this year. The Jazz, they, they, the Jazz are fraudulent, in my opinion. I don't believe. I believe in Donovan Mitchell. I don't believe in his important cast. They're too slow, and when you have your defensive player of the year that becomes a liability in the playoffs, it's just not going to get it done. So the Lakers, this move, 
just gives them a lot of flexibility. If one, if either LeBron or AD go down, Brody, Russell Westbrook, we've seen him carry teams to the playoffs just on his back, just on his own, just on pure adrenaline, on pure energy that he brings, on on the ferocity that he attacks through him. He he is he's a one man army. He could he could himself just carry you to the playoffs, get you a couple wins when you really need. Um, someone to step up and allow AD, allow LeBron to take some rest or, you know, get back from injury. Because LeBron, he's getting older. We've seen him with the groin injury. We've seen him this year miss some time. And AD, we all know he's fragile. He's always due to miss time. So when inevitably that happens, AD misses time. Hopefully LeBron, you know, could um, play the whole year, be healthy the whole year. But if he does have another injury because he is getting older, then Russell Westbrook is like the perfect guy to take over to lead your team when you don't have a lot of talent around them. So I think Brody, he helps out during the regular season. Um, he, he's going to allow uh, the Lakers to be able to uh, give LeBron some time off, give AD some time off, and still be a competitive team, still still be a team that gets um, wins night in and night out. So that's one of the positives. And in the playoffs, I think it's just it's all about talent. Yeah, Brody doesn't can't shoot. And he needs the ball in his hand, and LeBron is best when he's a point guard. At this stage in his career, he needs to be a facilitator. He needs to have the ball. We all know that LeBron sometimes dictates. It's, it's the LeBron system. Wherever he goes, he implements the LeBron system. Give him the ball, get to a corner, and shoot. So Brody, he needs to. He, I don't think he's going to improve his three-point shot anymore. He's he's like on year twelve or something of his career. So I don't think he's going to get that much better of a shooter. But what he can improve is. Just being active, just always moving in the offensive side, just cutting, cutting and going back out, cutting, just being a ferocious cutter. You use that energy that he has for rebounding in the offense to just set screens, set the best screens, cut, cut, cut. And I think it could work. Uh, like I said, in the playoffs, it comes down to talent, who has the most talent. And if you were to just look at stars and rosters, you would think that we're headed towards the Nets versus Lakers finals obviously the Bucks are going to have something to say about it we'll see if Embiid is able to do something if they move Simmons um, there's other teams out there that are going to have you know something to say about it but it is looking like we're heading towards a Lakers versus Nets finals in the 2022 finals and that would be great all the storylines of you know Brody versus KD AD versus LeBron LeBron versus Kyrie. There's just so many storylines that you could already start to write right now. And I think we're headed towards a great season. This is a super team. There's a lot of play there's a lot of people that have been discounting the Lakers stars. They have been discounting uh Russell Westbrook. But now that Russell Westbrook is a Laker, you know, everyone's comparing this team, calling them a super team, saying it's not fair. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how they do. I for one, I'm excited to see them on the court. I think it's going to take some time for all of them to gel. Like like I said, Russell Westbrook, one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. LeBron James, always one of the highest. AD, you know, he could shoot the three. He could shoot the mid, the long mid-range, but he really shines when he, when he has the space down low and he's able to, you know, post up and use his post moves and get to the rim. So we'll see. The spacing in this team is definitely going to be a problem, especially at the beginning when they're barely um, getting used to each other. But... One thing I will say is if Russell Westbrook locks in, which I think he will because he's going to be playing such a great player like LeBron James and next to AD, he's going to be next to greatness. So 
AD, LeBron, and Russell Westbrook, when they're all on on defense, that's an elite defense. And you pair that up with a, uh, a solid five, a solid center, or, or uh, more um, defensive wings, then you have some... Uh, you have the potential to be a juggernaut defense, and Frank Vogel, he, he runs some good sets on defense. So I'm very excited for this Lakers team. The one thing that would concern me is the 2-3 zone when you don't have shooters, when Brody's not the best three-point shooter, when LeBron's not the best three-point shooter, when AD's a decent three-point shooter, but he's a big, so he's he's good for a big. He's not, like, elite. So we'll see. We'll see how the Lakers round up the roster, how they get shooters, how they get some defensive wings. How they get like a stretch four, stretch five, a rim protector. We'll see how they how they finish this roster. But as of right now, I think the Lakers, they should have two opponents, two teams on their head. And it should be the Nets and the Bucks, which is crazy to say because both of them are in the East. And we've all known that the West has been the stronger conference for years and years and years. But I really, I really truly believe as of right now, Friday july 30th that the lakers are gonna they should be the team that comes out of the west um like i said if, if Kawhi was healthy that would be a different story it would be the battle of la um i would i would say that one of these two teams would get out the clippers could still make a move but like i said i don't believe in the jazz i think they're fraudulent they're a regular season team they're like the new age atlanta hawks um i don't believe the suns are gonna come back um and be that dominant of a force. And I also, the Mavericks need to make some moves. The Trailblazers are who we thought they are. Like, Chauncey Billups is going to have to work a miracle, and all of them are going to have to play defense for that team to be a serious contender. So we'll see if a team comes out of nowhere and surprises us in the West like the Suns did this year. But it's looking like the Lakers are going to be the team to represent the West. We'll see who comes out of the East and... I'm already calling it. It's going to be a very entertaining finals. What do you guys think? Was this a good move by the Lakers? Should they have gone in, um, gone after somebody else a little harder? Maybe Kyle Lowry, maybe Chris Paul. Let me know what you guys think. Like I said, I, for one, I think it's a good move. Brody still has a lot in the tank. He He's going to get his head straight playing next to LeBron, next to AD. I am very excited to see Brody, AD, and LeBron line up this upcoming season. Djokovic is out of the Olympics. What a crazy comeback by Severev. want to give Severev all his flowers, congratulate him. It was an epic, epic match. When I was watching it, it was like a, this This match ended like around 3 in the morning for me. I stayed up watching that, and it was so entertaining. Djokovic won the first game 6-1, won the first set 6-1. And you just thought, oh, damn, Djokovic is just going to cruise into the final. This is it. Although Severev did have chances to break Djokovic in the first set, initially in the first game that they played, Severev had a chance to get a break, and he couldn't close the deal. And then uh, he served, and he tied it 1-1, and then after that, it was just Djokovic. There's a lot of points that Severev left there. And you and you started to see Severev get frustrated. He started to lose his composure in the second, um, in the second set. Severev throws his uh, racket to the ground in frustration. You start um, thinking like, damn, this is it. He's down 3-2 in the second set. He's down 1-0 uh, overall. Like, he's down a break in the second set. This is it. He's not going to come back against Djokovic. Not the way he's been playing. Not the way he's been serving. Not the way he's been playing this whole year. And amazingly, Severev makes a comeback. I think 
Djokovic kind of tired out on that when he was up 3-2 on that second set and he was serving they had a long rally and he looked winded after that rally Severev gets the point and Djokovic looks like he's trying to get easy points he's trying to uh, go for the volley after the serve uh, really you know close the gap on the net and it didn't work out for him he loses that set 40-0 Severev gets the break back 3-3 and after that Severev just cruised to finish the set and it was just crazy. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, I mean, I, I was watching it. Uh, my roommate was up with me watching the beginning of the, of the match when Djokovic won uh, 6-1. And I was just like, wow. That's, Djokovic is putting on a show. Um, there's no way he loses. I was, and now I just kept telling him, the only thing I want to see is for Severif to at least push it to the third set. I don't care who wins. Like, I would like Djokovic... You know, to make history, if Severev upsets him, obviously that's going to be a shocker too. It's going to, you know, it's going to blow up Twitter. Either way, I was happy. I'm a neutral in this. I was happy for Djokovic if he won. I was going to be happy for Severev too if, you know, he's he's one of the young guys that breaks through and finally, you know, defeats one of the big three and, you know, takes that next step into becoming one of the greats. So I was I was happy either way. I wanted, I want, obviously I wanted to see history. I want to see Djokovic get that golden um, grand slam and i wanted to see Severev, you know pull an upset you know have take that next step into becoming you know an elite elite player all i wanted was to see a third set like i didn't i didn't want Djokovic to just run through it i kind of wanted to see a great a great match so when Severev pushed it to the third set i was very happy and i was like okay like this this is gonna be epic like uh obviously Djokovic didn't finish the second set as strong as he could have but you know this is a whole new set for all the marbles like let's i was excited i got my i got my cobija i got my blanket i got i cuddled up i was like damn i'm not going to sleep i'm up right now let's see this let's see if Severus could pull it upset let's see if Djokovic, you know comes back or you know you know gets himself um, together gets some composure and finishes his game but to my surprise Severev finishes Djokovic in the third set pulling off the greatest one of the greatest upsets the upset of the year in my opinion it was just incredible gotta give Severev all the props Djokovic it looked like he was rattled like I've never seen Djokovic rattled like this in a long long time um in the third set it was so difficult for him I don't know if it was the pressure of getting a gold we all know that he's he's been he's been hunting for that gold medal since 2008 and he's fallen short he just has one bronze and I don't know if the pressure got to him. Like, it's crazy to say that because Djokovic is one of the, you know, most headstrong persons out there on tour. He's always, you know, very composed, very headstrong, like very confident in himself. To see him have so many errors, so many um, rallies that ended with Djokovic hitting the ball out of bounds. It was just, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was like, like, I was already happy to see a third set. I was like, damn, this is going to be good. And when Severev just continued to build on that momentum, he just see Djokovic getting frustrated. He started screaming. He started looking towards the fans on the on the stands, his teammates, his fellow Serbian um, Olympians, his coach. He just it looked like he couldn't get it together. And you know there was a couple moments in that third set where you were like, okay, Djokovic just got one point. He got another point. 
is he building momentum? Is he gonna come back? Yeah, he's down a couple games. Yeah, he's down like a break or two. But if he if he's able to you know get some momentum going, like he he could potentially come back. And Savage just always kept shutting the door. Nope, I'm gonna finish my serve. I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna close you out. And he did. Savage closes out Djokovic. It was incredible. Um, he he reverses the six one from the first set, beating him six one in the third set himself. And it was just, I was, I for one was shocked. Like, uh, I don't have too many friends that watch tennis. I have a lot of friends that watch soccer. They watch football. They watch the NBA. And, you know, they watch the UFC. They watch boxing. I have a lot of friends that watch, I, I almost all my friends watch sports. All of them love sports. That's one of the things that I, I have with almost all my friends. That's what I connect with most of my friends. Just talking about sports, watching sports, going to bars, going to stadiums. I have a lot of friends. Or I have a decent, I have, I don't have too many friends, but all of them do love sports, but not too many know tennis or follow tennis like that. So I was just excited. It, like I said, it was two, three in the morning. I was trying to text the few homies that I know that like tennis because it was, in my opinion, this was some historic stuff that we watched. Djokovic going for that gold medal has been so elusive for him in his career. We know Nadal has one. We know Federer has one in doubles. We know how much it means to him uh, and he loves serbia we know he wants to get a gold medal for his country so it was just like the importance even before the olympics he said history's on the line here and it was we all know the magnitude that so much pressure djokovic there's another comment that he says that you know um something about pressure is what makes us professionals or what makes us be professional tennis players something like that i forget the quote but i'll put it up here so it's just there was so much riding on this game the Golden Grand Slam, Djokovic coming in with that hot streak, Severev trying to establish himself as one of the greats, one of the, one of these players that's going to finally overthrow the the big three. So I don't know. Maybe we'll look back at this in a couple years and like we'll be able to really grasp the magnitude. But in my, I felt it in my chest. I felt it as I was watching. I don't know if you guys felt that, but it felt like we were watching some historic stuff. And Severev looked like that was the last stand. When you take when you took when you took Djokovic against the field, um, no disrespect um, to um, the finalist on the other leg, but it really felt like Severev was the last stand. If he lost, and Djokovic basically got the gold medal. It felt like this was the final, and Severev pulled through. He had one of the probably the best match of his career. He was crying afterwards. He you could tell that a lot of emotions were coming to him he couldn't believe it he thanked the crowd he thanked his fellow germans that were supporting him and he just he even told um Djokovic I'm sorry you're the greatest of all time they had a great um moment in the middle by the net after the match but it was just incredible like I was so pumped up it was three in the morning where I was and I was just ecstatic I was up I was awake Uh, I knew I was watching some historic stuff one of the upsets of the year one of the upsets in modern tennis history it was just incredible i couldn't believe it i thought djokovic was gonna cruise through it i was almost tempted to go to sleep after the first set when he won 6-1 it just looked like it was done and when he broke Severev in the second set and he was up 3-2 it was kind of like okay like you know i could i could finish this i could finish this set and go to sleep it it shouldn't take too too much longer Severev is you know losing his composure he's throwing his racket he's he's kind of like showing a lot of emotions and you know losing his cool so i was like oh, this shouldn't take too long i'm about to go to sleep and i don't know where Severe just turns it around in one of the most 
incredible turnarounds I've ever seen in a tennis match. Just incredible, incredible stuff. I do think Severev is going to go on and win the gold medal. And I feel bad for Djokovic because he had a, a doubles match, a mixed doubles semifinals after that, and he ended up losing that too. So now he has no chance of a gold medal in Tokyo. He has two third-place matches, so he can still medal twice. But I feel bad for the guy. I know how much he wants a gold. And, you know, for good or for bad, he's always going to be compared to Nadal and Federer. It's just inevitable. Uh, even if there's groups of fans, I just want to appreciate all three of them. Or like myself, I want to appreciate all of them. I love all three of them. I am an Nadal fan, but I love all three of them. There's no way that they, they're ever going to escape um, the criticisms and the comparisons to the other big three. And Djokovic, who has been the most vocal out of the big three, to acknowledge that he wants to end it with the most Grand Slam. He wants to be the most decorated player. Um, I think he really wanted to get that gold medal to match with them, match the gold medals that the other two have. And for him to fall short, must hurt. He said he was devastated that his game kind of just broke down. And I feel for the guy. I know he's going to bounce back. I'm already looking forward to how he comes back for the U.S. Open. That's going to be a epic must-watch TV. Uh, Nadal, there's already video circulating him of him training. And it's just going to be incredible. This tennis this tennis season has been incredible. I'm having so much fun watching tennis. Let me know what you guys think. Um, do you feel for Djokovic? Um, do you think Severev could be the next star? Is this going to be that jump, the moment in Severev's career where you like, this is the turning point. This is where he went from, you know, a perennial top 10 player that, you know, is just going to be there moving up and down the rankings, topping out at three, going down to eight, just being a perennial top 10 player and, you know, being comfortable being in that range. And, and now with this moment in his career, can this be the moment that takes him to number one in the world for him to start winning Grand Slams? Is this is this what's going to do it? I'm excited for Severev. I'm excited to see um that next chapter in his career and i'm excited for the tennis season to conclude to continue it's been a great olympics it's been a great season for djokovic nonetheless even if he did lose but let me know your takeaways from this match i'm ex I'm, I'm excited to see the comments have some discussions talk about what we just witnessed because in my opinion it was historic but that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. A quick episode. Just wanted to touch on Brody going to the Lakers and Djokovic falling in the semifinals in the men's singles and in the mixed doubles in Tokyo 2020. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the podcast. I should be dropping an episode soon. There's a lot of sports kicking up. Uh, my Premier League prediction is going to come out. My NFL predictions are going to come out and the nba draft just happened so we'll see if there's any more moves coming up it looks like trade season is heating up so subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the channel i am out have a great rest of your day